Around the year 1938, one of the greatest missionary thinkers of the 20th century would put his pen down and close his notebook. Roland Allen had just finished writing The Ministry of Expansion, The Priesthood of the Laity. And until the year 2017, that work would remain unpublished. In this podcast, it is my joy to be able to share with you about the publication of this new book by William Carey. So with that in mind, let's... Welcome to Strike the Match with pastor and missiologist Dr. J.D. Payne. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.D. Hey folks, thanks so much for checking out this episode of Strike the Match. Uh, It's always a, a delight and an honor to be able to share my thoughts with you from time to time. And at the beginning of this episode, I just want to say uh, thank you to those of you that uh, have been listening in on Season 3. And uh, some of you I know have just jumped in on Season 3. And I also want to say thank you to those of you that from time to time uh, you shoot me an email or write a, a very gracious and kind review or see me at some event and just come up to me and say something about the, the podcast. Uh, thank you all uh, very much for, for your kind words. Uh, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to know that uh, this is uh, helping you and your ministries and, and your walk with the Lord and, and seeing the gospel spread. And so uh, so it's always, uh, it's always neat to, to see uh, and, and meet those out there in, in listener land. Uh, you know, when it's just you and a microphone, sitting in an office sometime, you don't know uh, who's listening and uh, to what degree they're listening. Uh, so so those uh, those connections are great. I appreciate that. Thanks, thanks so much. Hey, in uh, this episode, I am very, very uh, excited because within the next couple of days, Lord willing, my next book is uh, set to be released with uh, William Carey uh, out of California. Uh, they uh, have been involved in publishing books on on missions for many years and do just an outstanding outstanding job. And so uh, they're publishing uh, the the next book uh, that I have just finished. Uh, the book is titled Roland Allen's The Ministry of Expansion, and the subtitle is The Priesthood of the Laity. Roland Allen's The Ministry of Expansion, The Priesthood of the Laity. Uh, I've actually edited this book. This book is. Uh, is a work that contains, as I sort of mentioned in the intro, contains uh, an unpublished, until now, uh, unpublished manuscript that Roland Allen wrote uh, in the, uh, the late 1930s. And so uh, this manuscript has, uh, for many years, just been uh, collecting dust uh, at Oxford in a library, and so it is now about to see the light of day, and so I'm very excited about this. I've, I've edited this book and uh, have included some uh, additional chapters uh, written by Allen scholars uh, just to, to illuminate uh, the setting in which Allen was writing, Allen's views, and, and just to kind of help uh, the reader get a better understanding of what Allen was saying in this, uh, this brief manuscript. So uh, I definitely hope you check out uh, Roland Allen's The Ministry of Expansion, The Priests of the Laity. I'm going to talk a little bit about that today in, uh, in this podcast. But I want to um, 
to kind of give you a little bit about the uh, the story behind the story, so to speak. In other words, every book has a has a story behind uh, the actual book itself. So how did that book come into existence? And and um, and this for me is uh, is uh, by God's grace, uh, book number thirteen, and every one of them um, have a they all have different different stories behind behind their uh, uh, their composition and this one is very unique uh, like like all the others being unique this one's very unique and uh, and I would say maybe it's even a little bit bit um, more unique than the others maybe that's what I'm trying to say uh, I'm gonna read a little bit uh, from this book uh, today and share some with you but I do want to begin by sharing with you a little bit about the uh, the backstory and so I'll just kind of read a little, little bit about uh, that journey. Uh, to give you an idea of how this book uh, that was uh, rebe- that was started back in the, the 1930s, how that came about. So here we go. Um, reading some from the acknowledgement section of the book, that section that uh, a lot of readers don't uh, don't read. But uh, in this case, it's very helpful, I think, to read. Always read your acknowledgement section. Over the past several years, I have written and published extensively on the life and missiology of Roland Allen. In fact, he is one of a few individuals whom the Lord has used to influence my life and ministry. While in seminary, I encountered Hubert Allen's biography of his grandfather, the only book-length biography written to date. Uh, however, um, I will say this, um, Stephen Rutt, who's one of the contributors of uh, of one of the chapters in in uh, Roland Allen's Ministry of Expansion, uh, has a couple of works coming out, uh, Lord willing, uh, next year, and one of those is uh, is heavily biographical, um, as well as uh, uh, having a great amount of Allen's missiology in it. So, anyhow, jump back here to the story. Uh, so. While in seminary, encountered Hubert Allen's biography as a grandfather. Uh, the title of that book is Roland Allen, Pioneer, Priest, and Prophet. It was published in 1995. It's actually out of print right now. But if you can find it, it is an outstanding work. Uh, this work was very helpful in understanding the man whose missiology had incredible influence on the 20, 20th century and uh, 21st century missionary practices. Um, you probably have heard of Allen in reference to one or two of his other books. Uh, most of you listening uh, uh, kind of walk in those mission circles or have been exposed to to some of Allen's other writings. His most famous work is the um, the work Missionary Methods, St. Paul's or Ours. Uh, that book came out in 1912. Uh, his second uh, most popular work was a book that came out in 1927 called The Spontaneous Expansion of the Church, and the causes which hinder it. And so most people that are familiar with Allen are usually uh, aware of him as a result of either one of those two works, and most of the time it's uh, Missionary Methods, St. Paul's, or Ours, written in 1912. Uh, But to to give you an idea of just a little bit of the gravity that Allen has even today in um, mission circles throughout the world, not just evangelical circles, but, uh, but just all throughout the world, um, he he was one who really moved us into thinking about um, the the multiplication of disciples and churches, uh, helped us really begin to think about the, un- the importance of the role of the Holy Spirit, of keeping things simple and highly reproducible, uh, of seeing churches birthed out of the harvest, of seeing uh, indigenous leadership or contextualized uh, approaches to disciple-making, church planting, and leadership development uh, taking place, and then obviously seeing leaders raised up among 
new churches. And so uh, his, uh, his fingerprints, though he died in 1947, his, his fingerprints are all over global missions today. So a uh, very influential individual. Let me jump back here to the book. Um, it was in 2010 that I started to consider a publication in honor of the 100th anniversary of the 1912 publication of Missionary Methods, St. Paul's or Ours. At this time, I seriously considered writing a biography on Roland Allen, which would include travels to the UK and an opportunity to examine the ministry of expansion. I came across uh, the, the, the notion that this document was in existence called the Ministry of Expansion. I came across that through reading his grandson's biography. Uh, there are a couple times, uh, at least in the Ministry of Expansion, where Hubert Allen references uh, a work that Allen penned called the Ministry of Expansion, the Priesthood of the Laity. And I always had this great desire you know, to, to go to Oxford, to be able to, to read through this manuscript that had never been published, and to, 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 to see uh, what all it contained, because Alan died, as I mentioned a second ago, in 1947. And so, so this would be shedding light on some of his, his, his thoughts in his latter years. So my desire in 2010 was to get to England to be able to do some research and then publish uh, a biography on Alan in 2012, which would mark the 100th anniversary of Missionary Methods. Um, however, the Lord did not allow for such plans to develop. Life and ministry commitments took priority over such research and writing endeavors. Uh, in 2012, I was blessed uh, to publish a book uh, titled Roland Allen, Pioneer Spontaneous Expansion, uh, addressing, uh, excuse me, addressing a great deal of his missiology and some of his biography. And I was also able to, in, in that year, co-edit uh, with, uh, with Craig Ott of um, uh, Trinity International uh, to, uh, or, or Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, um, uh, to co-edit with, with Craig uh, a book uh, called Missionary Methods, Research, Reflections, and Reality. So we did this in partnership with the Evangelical Missiological Society and uh, William Carey Library uh, to honor the uh, 100th anniversary of Missionary Methods publication. So, so those were some of my desires that were, were taking place uh, at that point in time that would never allow me to get to Oxford. However, um, even though my, my plans eventually faded uh, to, to get my hands on the Ministry of Expansion, uh, one summer, while I was actually on vacation at, uh, at a beach in the, the Gulf of Mexico in Alabama Beach, I received uh, an email from a stranger who had copied Hubert Allen in the correspondence. Now, uh, Hubert and I had communicated, again, Hubert, Roland Allen's grandson, Hubert and I had communicated via email over the years, uh, but I was not familiar with the, the sender, uh, a man from Chicago named John Mulholland. And so in this email, John shared with me that he had been influenced by the uh, work of Roland Allen and that he and Hubert were attempting to publish the Ministry of Expansion. John was working at a university in Chicago at the time. But unfortunately, uh, the publishers, uh, the publishers they were uh, approaching, they were not interested in this work. And so John and Hubert asked if, if, the, if we could work together to get this document to the world. Uh, knowing that William Carey Library had an excellent reputation and extensive history publishing mission books and resources, I actually approached them with the idea to produce and edit 
a book uh, comprised of a few chapters complementing Allen's manuscript, uh, but uh, a book in which Allen's work would actually be the heart of the project. And their response was an enthusiastic yes. So, so that's a little bit of the of the backstory behind uh, how this uh, how this work um, how this work came came together. So, uh, what you'll find what you'll find in this book, obviously, the heart of the book is Allen's manuscript, the Ministry of Expansion, the Priesthood of the Laity. Uh, however, uh, the book uh, actually begins. Uh, with uh, Hubert Allen writing a chapter, which is a biographical sketch of his grandfather. And so he really unpacks the life and times of the man. And then um, other Allen scholars, uh, Robert Schmidt, uh, writes a chapter following uh, uh, Hubert's chapter on uh, looking at the Ministry of Expansion that Roland Allen uh, uh, penned in the late 30s and and how it was addressing... um, the crises at the time that Alan was writing about, but also how it spoke to and speaks to uh, uh, what Schmidt refers to as the contemporary crisis. Uh, the chapter that follows Schmidt's is uh, a chapter by by Stephen Rutt, and uh, Rutt uh, gives us an overview of the Ministry of Expansion, so he kind of prepares us for what we're about to read uh, with uh, with Alan's um, with Alan's work. And then the heart of the book is the Ministry of Expansion, and then the book actually concludes uh, with a chapter uh, by Robert Banks uh, in it that, that gives us an introductory to another resource that Allen wrote in 1943 called The Family Right. So, so let me explain a little bit about Allen history and what's in this book. So, so there was another individual, David Payton, who did some editing of Allen's works uh, in uh, the the mid um, 20th century, and in uh, one of his books, uh, Peyton has um, has one of Allen's manuscripts called *The Family Right*. It was written around 1943. Allen's work was written around 1943, and so so Peyton later takes this and edits it into one of his books. And so *The Family Right* is out there in in one of Peyton's works, and. And and this this manuscript or this this work called the Family Right was really uh, Allen's thinking about communion and how the what what he would basically come to say was that the head of the household in a home uh, should be allowed to oversee uh, the Lord's Supper, uh, with the Lord's Supper being being taken in in the home with the family, and and so that that really left. Um, uh, Sort of a gap in in Allen's thinking, because uh, the Ministry of Expansion is is a work on Allen's thoughts regarding the Lord's Supper and who can o- uh, officiate it. Uh, but that was that was written before before the family right. So for so for for many years, scholars have read Allen's works and have come to understand where Allen was right before he died on this topic of of, of the Lord's Supper and who could oversee it. But um, but for the most part, all we had was was related to the family right. So I felt that it was really critical if we were going to put the Ministry of Expansion into a book form that the reader, not familiar with the family right, would need sort of an introduction uh, to the family right and 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 also kind of a signpost saying, hey, uh, Alan wrote uh, another uh, brief work on this topic. That showed a, another evolution in his thinking that didn't come out until 1943. 
So around 1938, he writes Priesthood of the, uh, excuse me, the Ministry of Expansion. 1943, he writes uh, The Family Right. So, so Robert Banks' uh, chapter really concludes this book. So, so what we're looking at is not what I think is Alan's best work. Uh, I really think that um, uh, some of his, uh, you know, his, his best work was probably Missionary Methods, uh, and also some of the some of the work that he did on. Um, the Acts of the Spirit, uh, looking at the book of Acts, uh, or a work that was called Pentecost in the World, um, and and then obviously his work on spontaneous expansion. So I don't, I don't think that this book, The Ministry of Expansion, is Alan's best work, but what it does do is it gives us not only a glimpse into the life of the man, his thinking at that point in time, but really Alan is is asking a question. It's not really found in this book, but, but you, you pick it up as you read through it. Alan is asking really a question about our cultural preferences and the work of the Spirit on the field. And here's the question. What happens when the church is unable to keep up with her traditions and cultural preferences in light of the works of the Spirit on the field? In other words, what happens when our our preferences, our cultural traditions, our ecclesiologies, what happens when they're unable to keep up with the movement of the Spirit across a people group, across a population segment? And so, so that's really what, what Alan, Alan is getting at in, in this work. And this work, even though it was written a long time ago, it has a great deal to say uh, to us today in, uh, in the 21st century when it comes to uh, the the advancement of the gospel among the nations and our cultural preferences. So if if you've listened to me before speak about Allen, if you've read anything about Roland Allen, if you if you I've got several blog posts on jdpain.org about Roland Allen, you know that Allen was a high church Anglican. He was a high church Anglican. He was a priest. Uh, he was also a missionary. Served in China uh, at the turn of the 20th century. Uh, lived during the Peking. Uh, rebellion and uprising, Boxer Uprising, uh, Boxer Rebellion, and um, and so he he never let go of his his high church tradition. However, when you read his work, you think that he 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 has let go of that because you think, wow, all these stu- all the stuff that he's talking about, um, he's not he's not advocating the Im- importing or the paternalistic approaches of bringing uh, Western church traditions and culture and imparting them upon majority world believers in places like China, where he served, or in places like Africa, where he also ministered. But, um, but Alan never gave that up. He never gave up his, his cherished traditions. He was very, very much a, um, um, an Anglican through and through. But he, he recognized that what was, what was good for him, so to speak, um, and, and biblically permissive was not always biblically prescriptive. And so when he got to the field and he began to see other things on the field as a missionary, he recognized that many of the things that the church was doing, the Anglican church was doing, was taking uh, cultural preferences and making them biblical prescriptions and bringing those to the people. So uh, a lot of that he speaks out against in his 1912 work, Missionary Methods, St. Paul's or Hours, Spontaneous Expansion of the Church, and much of his writings. And, and he does the same in the Ministry of Expansion, the Priesthood of the Laity. But he does it specifically addressing the issue of communion. So 
back story, if you are aware of you know Anglican tradition at that point in time, uh, was was very much uh, the ordained. The ordained priest was to 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 oversee um, the the bread and the cup during time of communion. But Alan recognized that on the field there were all these churches in very remote and rural you know rural places in, in parts of China, for example, or parts of of East Africa where where he also ministered, and um, they had they had men that were members of these congregations, but they were nowhere near being able to go through the ordination process that he was able to go through as an English-speaking citizen of, um, of Britain, of, e- of England. And so um, Alan said to the embarrassment and frustration of many of his day, uh, these people have the right, biblically speaking, to oversee the communion process without having gone through our culturally preferred way of ordination. Uh, they don't know how to speak English. Uh, they, they, they have a different learning style. Uh, they are unable to go through the theological educational system that, that we have gone through uh, you know, in Oxford. And so how can, we, how can we dare hold back one of the things that Jesus gave to his church? How can we hold that back from them? And, and he would also say, well, the answer is not waiting for someone who's ordained to get around and visit them uh, once a year maybe or sometimes once every several years to oversee the communion time. So, so that's what Alan is pushing back against in this book. And you can imagine the controversy at that point in history in the mid-20th century, early mid-20th century. And um, if we really think about it, folks, uh, there's, there's still controversy over that particular issue in the 21st century. So let me read a little bit from the preface for you, from Alan himself. This little book is not a treat. Excuse me, let me start over. <laughs> you could tell I would not do a good job recording an audio version of my books. All right, let's try it again. This little book is not a theoretical treatise on the ministry. It is an attempt to show a way of release to men and women who are bound in a cruel bondage and hindered by it from stretching out their hands to receive what Christ himself offers to them. Not only are they themselves starved, but the expansion and growth of the church is checked because it is by their fullness of life that the whole body should advance. Christians without sacraments lose not only grace for their own lives as individuals, but lose also the corporate life the manifestation of the body to which others who are seeking the way of Christ can attach themselves. They suffer, and with them the whole world suffers. There is stagnation where there might be fullness of life and growth in Christ. As I look out over the world, I see Christians scattered as sheep having no shepherd, where I might see small churches springing up and increasing in number, filling the whole world with joy and gladness. I feel compassion. I feel compassion, and because I feel compassion, I put myself into the place of these scattered sheep, and I write as one of them. I write to real men and women, some of whom I know in the flesh. I write to them as one of them. Alan goes on in this preface, and he talks about the fact that he is addressing some issues that um, are often 
um, articulated or, or a conviction, a belief system that's often derived from a couple of the church's leading theologians. And so he writes in the preface, Because I'm writing not a theoretical treatise on the ministry, I have referred to very few books. It is to Bishop Gore's, uh, that's Charles Gore, Bishop Gore's The Church and the Ministry, and to Dr. Robert Moberly's Ministerial Priesthood, that appeal is most often made by those who most narrowly assert the teaching which strangles us. So what he's saying is that this concept of saying that only the ordained can oversee communion, a lot of people are going back to Gore's The Church and the Ministry and Moberly's Ministerial Priesthood for theological support. Allen continues, These books have now long been the standard works for many theological students. Therefore, I have restricted myself almost entirely to them. In so doing, I recognize sadly that I must appear to careful readers and to all careless ones to be opposing those good and eminent men. I am not discussing their doctrine. I am simply discussing what I believe to be a false application of it and nothing more. So, Alan at this point in time, and he's going to unpack this in the book, is saying what we're teaching in our seminaries is really for a context where the established church with all of her mature mature ecclesiastical structures are in place. And where that occurs, I'm totally in agreement with what Gore and Moberly are saying. However, what I am saying, Alan, so what I am saying is that in pioneer areas where there are not churches, there are, there are no churches where they have mature ecclesiastical structures and all the organizations and, and machinations that we see connected to the church in the West, he says, we have to be careful about how we apply what Gore and Moberly are advocating. And he says it's a different context and we can't apply it the same way. And I would just pause here to say, for many years, I have observed the same thing, even prior to reading this document by Alan, have observed the same thing within a great deal of our seminary communities within evangelical circles in North America. And many of the books that are coming out on the issue of ecclesiology. And so where the context exists, where there are mature church structures, a great deal of those materials are written and lectures are given uh, to those particular contexts. However, the application of some of those culturally preferred ways, I didn't say biblical prescriptions, but culturally preferred ways, the application of those to pioneer texts often breaks down because it is a different context. Alan continues on. He says, I cannot believe that others who obey the Lord's commands to observe his sacraments are doing wrong because they have not my orders, meaning they're not ordained like me. Such a statement seems to me wholly opposed to the spirit and teaching of Christ. He, in his love, provided for his children means of grace. And who am I to deny them on the ground that I have been ordained and they have not? If assertion of my own ordination involved the deprivation of others, meaning they couldn't partake of communion, I would rather deny my own ordination. To claim grace for myself in such terms as to exclude others from grace is to me utterly wicked, 
a very denial of Christ, but I am certain that no such claim is required of me. So that's a little bit of the backstory on this book. And um, again, Alan wrote this. It was very provocative at the time. It is still provocative in many circles. And it really challenges us to think about what does the Word of God say is necessary when it comes to our ecclesiology. Not just in established church contexts where there are mature church structures and, and, and pastoral structures in place, but throughout the world, most definitely in areas where those things do not exist among unreached people groups, whether it's across the street, across North America, or throughout the world. In other words, what are the biblical prescriptions that are absolutely necessary, must be there? And what are the things that are culturally preferred? And he calls us to take a really hard look at what we're doing across the world when it comes to being a follower of Christ. So, I hope you get a chance to uh, get a copy of this book. Uh, you can get it um, paperback. Uh, it's also on Kindle as well. You can get it through you know, Amazon or any other outlet. Go to William Carey's uh, website, get a copy of it. And, and I hope you take some time just to, to go through this. Um, it's, a, it's a light into a, an area of, of mission history that um, um, needed to be uh, seen and uh, it sheds, uh, it sheds uh, you know, awareness, uh, or it gives us an awareness, excuse me, on a perspective that um, we did not know, or that most people did not know existed in Roland Allen's thinking. Hey, thanks so much for checking out this episode of Strike the Match. Uh, as always, uh, again, appreciate you listening, tuning in, downloading these podcasts. Hope you continue to do so. If you're not a subscriber, please, uh, please subscribe and uh, give us a rating somewhere. Password along, tell a friend about it considered an honor. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.D. Payne. You can find J.D. on Facebook or follow him on Twitter at J.D. underscore Payne. And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit jdpayne.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, and we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.